Welcome to The Week Ahead in Russia, RFERL's Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Gutterman, and my guest this week is Irina Lagunina, Director of Special Projects at RFERL's Russian Service. Uh, Irina, thanks for joining me on our recent Twitter Spaces conversation about Ukraine, uh, and thanks for joining me on this podcast today. Oh, thank you for inviting, Steve. Okay. Uh, now, on Twitter, uh, we spoke about what might be next for Ukraine, uh, with more than 100,000 Russian troops deployed near its borders, and U.S. officials uh, continuing to warn uh, that Russia could launch a new invasion, potentially a large-scale attack, pretty much any day. That was on February 3rd, uh, and the situation hasn't changed very much since then. If anything, uh, it seems more tense. There are more Russian troops than before, and the United States advised U.S. citizens uh, to leave Ukraine over the weekend, saying an invasion could come this week. Um, and uh, there's also been no lessening of the tension following a phone call, I believe that was on Saturday, between U.S. President Joe Biden and Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin. Now, Russia has said repeatedly that it has no plans to invade, and a flurry of diplomacy continues. The new German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kiev today and with Putin in Moscow tomorrow. Uh, Irina, do you think this week um, will bring any clarity, um, a Russian invasion of Ukraine, God forbid, or some clear indication that it's not going to happen? Well, Steve, it's really difficult to say, and I don't think that anybody can predict uh, what the Kremlin uh, will be doing uh, right now. Uh, well, first of all, the latest uh, developments are very worrying because uh, uh, in spite of the flurry of diplomatic activity uh, around uh, Russian military presence on the Ukrainian border, uh, the, there are indica indications uh, and a lot of evidence collected uh, uh, and published yesterday by the um, conflict, intel uh, conflict and intelligence team. Um, this is the group that is uh, following the uh, troops movement and troops deployment in uh, uh, around Ukraine and in Russia. Uh, so they noticed that even those troops that were already pulled uh, around the Ukrainian border are now moving closer to the border uh, itself. And that's very worrying because uh, uh, that the distance between the border and the troop deployment, let's say, 10 days ago, was pretty close. But right now it's literally uh, moving to the border uh, of, of um, the neighboring country. Uh, so that's the first uh, development, which is really worrying. The second development is the fact that Russia practically uh, blocked uh, the large equatorium of uh, Black Sea and the Azov Sea, uh, st stating that it has the uh, naval uh, maneuvers uh, in the area and Ukraine is practically blocked. Uh, Ukrainian uh, specialists now are trying to measure the uh, the depth of the Black Sea uh, in order to uh, understand how to uh, continue the uh, naval shipments and, uh, uh, you know, sea commerce uh, routes, um, how to this 
disrupted deliveries uh, through the Black Sea. The third worrisome development uh, actually came uh, today and right now, and this is the fact that Kremlin announced that uh, uh, President Putin will have two working meetings, uh, and the two persons whom he will see today uh, are the Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and the Defense Minister Sergei Shoigo. Now, this is, uh, those are the two major figures that uh, will be uh, uh, kind of in the center uh, of the military conflict if uh, it uh, starts. And uh, the fact that out of the whole, uh, you know, Kremlin team and uh, the whole government, uh, Putin is meeting with those two, uh, uh, really indicates that some sort of decision-making is most probably going on in uh, Kremlin at the moment, Steve. Right. And yeah, that is a worrying development. Um, you know, of course, it's hard to know, you know, as you, as you say, hard to predict what will happen and hard to know, you know, how much of this is kind of posturing and how much is is real decision making. But, you know, there are other other kind of signs that are troubling as well. I, I mean, I guess you know, there has been this flurry of diplomacy, but I, I believe the German chancellor's uh, visit tomorrow to to Moscow is kind of the last, I guess, concrete thing that's that's scheduled to happen along these lines, I believe, for, for some time. Um then you've got, uh, I mean, uh, Russia not sending anybody uh, to the Munich Security Conference upcoming, um, which I believe, um, you know, usually Lavrov goes. Um, so, you know, there's this kind of thing is, is worrisome. Um, the, Of course, Russia continues to say it has no plans to invade, um, but the U.S. continues to say that, you know, look out for a possible uh, staged provocation. Um, and then another thing to watch is this, uh, uh, it's not a bill, but a, a, a proposition in the in the Duma to call on Putin to recognize the uh, Russia-backed uh, um, entities uh, in eastern Ukraine as independent countries. Now, I believe the uh, Duma Council is discussing that today. So that's another thing that you know, could be developing over this week, um, and and playing into to to the 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 whole uh, decision making process. But uh, you know what, Steve? If I may add a little bit, absolutely. The most interesting thing is that uh, uh, the possibility of war is more discussed uh, in Western media. Uh, than in Russian media right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, in spite of everything, in spite of uh, the large number of troops on the border, uh, Ukrainian intelligence now say that it's close to 150,000 troops, uh, military personnel at the border. In spite of all this, uh, half of Ukrainians, according to the recent polls, do not believe that uh, the conflict is uh, not even in, imminent, but possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were no polls in Russia that we could trust in this area. But uh, from what I see in uh, the social media, uh, in the Russian social networks, uh, people also do not believe that something like this is possible. 
in spite of the fact that uh, the military rhetoric uh, pointing at uh, Ukrainian side and Russian media is stating that uh, Ukrainians concentrated uh, troops on the border uh, to seize back uh, uh, Donbass area. Mm-hmm. Um, in spite of all this, people do not believe that uh, that the war is possible. And those who believe, uh, I saw a lot of resentment. Uh, there is now the campaign in uh, social media where people uh, put Ukrainian flag on their avatar in support of uh, Ukraine. A lot of uh, posts on social media uh, start with, I'm against the war or stop the war preparations. Um, even the nationalists and uh, like hardliners, uh, like uh, General Vashov, uh, uh, all of a sudden made public statements that uh, uh, this is uh, complete lunatism uh, to do something like this, to prepare something like this against the neighboring uh, countries. Uh, in spite of the fact that there are uh, uh, repressions against everybody who comes out uh, on the street uh, and holds a poster, even though it's not prohibited by law, but those people are arrested. There were several manifestations and several uh, one-person piquets uh, against the war. Yesterday in Yekaterinburg, there was a protest against the preparation for the war. So there is a lot of resentment in the society, and people are discussing to what extent are we responsible for what Kremlin is doing. What is my responsibility if something like this uh, happens? And this is something I would say new uh, that started maybe uh, uh, several weeks ago only. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I uh, looked through the uh, Twitter of uh, Margarita Simanian, the head of RT, Uh, who is very uh, active in social media. Uh, and, uh, for example, she, she reacts on everything, uh, usually. There is not a single word, practically, about the uh, Kremlin's preparation for the war, um, about Kremlin's uh, uh, negotiations with the West uh, right now. The only thing that she mentioned was that the uh, West is creating this hysteria. Otherwise, not a single word, which is, for me, very interesting. Very interesting because she is like a barometer. Right. And, I mean, I think part part of that may be um, that that Russia wants to, you know, if, if it does uh, take military action, if it does invade or uh, attack Ukraine, you know, it's definitely going to, the government is definitely going to want to make it seem like this is, um, you know, a reaction, a response to something that Ukraine uh, has done um, and egged on by the West. So, so there's, there's, I think there's quite a bit of propaganda along those lines, um, you know, but less or, or maybe very little um, kind of that would suggest that Russia is, is preparing to go to war. Um, but, uh, and you, what you mentioned about the, the protests and, the, and, and what people are saying, you know, in real life and on social media, I, I do think that, I mean, that sounds new to me as well, certainly. Um, and it's quite interesting. And we'll see, um, you know, I guess we'll see maybe to what degree that, that may af- affect plans. Um, 
uh, there are a lot of different opinions on, on that, I think, in terms of, you know, uh, how to what degree does, does Putin believe he needs the support of the people uh, for something like this? So, um, you know, obviously very tense, tense moments uh, this week, and we will be watching closely. Now, um, this tension um, over, over Russia's military buildup uh, and Moscow's demands also for sweeping, sweeping restrictions, sorry, on NATO membership and NATO deployments has been mounting since last fall. And it's really drawn attention away from developments inside Russia itself. I think, uh, you know, for the media, for governments, um, drawn attention away from a continuation, basically, of the intense clampdown on dissent, civil society, and independent media that took a turn for the worse or was stepped up um, after opposition leader Alexei Navalny returned to Russia in January 2021, uh, a little over a year ago, following the near-fatal nerve agent poisoning that he blames on Putin. Navalny was arrested at the airport uh, back then, and he's been behind bars ever since. He's now serving a -a two-and-a-half-year prison term, but now he faces a new trial. Uh, I believe there are preliminary hearings starting this week at the prison uh, where he's incarcerated. Uh, uh, and this could result, it's, it's a trial on, I guess, charges that he embezzled from his own organization. Um, and, and he could be sentenced to 10 years, up to 10 years in prison if he's uh, convicted. And meanwhile, another stark manifestation of, of this clampdown is the five-year prison sentence handed down uh, last week to a 16-year-old boy in a terrorism case that involved something he allegedly planned to do essentially in a computer game, not in real life, uh, as far as I understand. And the 16-year-old Nikita Uvarov was convicted of undergoing training for the implementation of a terrorist act. Uh, that's the language. Uh, he and two friends were accused of planning to insert the headquarters of the Russian Federal Security Service, or FSB, into the popular video game Minecraft so that players could blow it up. Again, in the game, not in real life. Now, you know, what, what do you think uh, these two cases say about, about what's happening in Russia in 2022? Obviously, the Russian service has been covering them closely. Yeah, well, Steve, I think that uh, those two cases are uh, similar in uh, several aspects. Uh, the first is that uh, both uh, uh, both court hearings and uh, both, uh, uh, you know, all the uh, investigation uh, surrounding those two cases uh, is not transparent. And uh, both are... Uh, political victims, actually, because they uh, either went against the authorities or refused to cooperate. And when I'm saying that a political victim is uh, Uvarov's case, case actually shows very clearly that uh, he can be punished for simply not cooperating uh, with the uh, authorities, uh, because uh, there were three guys, and two uh, were released on parole because they... Uh, agreed to so-called cooperate with the uh, investigation and pointed finger at the third. And the third, Ovarov, was uh, the uh, guy with principles. And he said, no, I'm innocent. I, I didn't do anything. I didn't plan anything. And, uh, and he was sentenced. Uh, by the way, speaking about some sort of uh, new activity in Russia, 
uh, Uvara's case uh, was, uh, uh, you know, was so shocking uh, because of the cruelty of the sentence uh, for something that the person uh, didn't do and didn't plan in reality. Uh, as you pointed out, it's a game. Uh, so people were so shocked that there are now quite a lot of petitions going around uh, where people just uh, uh, demand to overrule the sentence uh, uh, in the future uh, appeal court, which of course will take place. And there were also some uh, manifestations on one person picket in St. Petersburg yesterday, for example, mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. Uh, so uh, people are shocked with uh, with what they saw, even uh, with the uh, lots and lots of cases of sentences of this kind in Russia uh, right now, cruel and uh, not based on uh, real, uh, you know, real deeds of the people. Uh, as for Navalny, uh, right now we are getting uh, reports that. Uh, First of all, the, 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 case, uh, uh, the hearing of the court uh, will take place in the colony in right. Vladimir uh, region and Bakrov, uh, uh, which is quite unusual because in, in, in order to do something like this, the person has to be seriously sick and not being able to walk. Then in this case, the, uh, the court would mm, you know, move to... Uh, to, to to this person who, who whose case uh, uh, considered right uh, in, it's not the case with Navalny so there is no even legal uh, reason to move the court hearings to uh, the prison facility except for what they want is they don't want Navalny to be heard or seen right now we are getting um, press releases from the uh, Lefortova court uh, that will hear um, Navalny's case tomorrow, that uh, they actually arranged some sort of facility uh, in the colony for journalists, but the uh, number of journalists will be very limited because of the Omicron uh, pandemic in Russia. So uh, we don't know how many journalists and who will be able to uh, get inside uh, and on what uh, conditions also. Uh, actually, altogether, if you look at, mm, at the uh, cases against Navalny right now and those two that we, they will uh, start uh, considering tomorrow, and that's yeah, the $4.7 million uh, embezzlement, uh, alleged embezzlement by Navalny of uh, the money on his campaign, mm-hmm. and uh, he is in, he, he, he uh, allegedly insulting the judge altogether, uh, it comes to 15 years uh, of uh, prison sentence if he's found guilty, and uh, we don't have any doubts that he would be found uh, guilty. Uh, so that's uh, quite a lot, but that was completely expected because uh, everybody understands that Navalny will be in prison as long as Putin is in power. Uh, So this has nothing to do with justice system. Uh, This has nothing to do with what he did and what he did not. Uh, He just, the Kremlin just wants him to be out of the sight. And this court that will take place tomorrow demonstrates it. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, and you know, for a long time, people were talking about, okay, Navalny's serving two and a half years now. Uh, I think he would be getting out you know, before the presidential election in 2024, um, you know, in which Putin has now uh, enabled himself to run. Uh, he can run in 2024 and again in 2030. You know, so potentially uh, Putin could remain president into 2036. Now, you know, people have been talking about this for a long time, that that, that the government may want to keep keep Navalny in prison uh, throughout Putin's rule. You know, and now this is becoming a real, uh, you know, a real possibility with, with these... Um, with, with the trials, uh, yeah, I was unaware of the of the fifteen year sentence uh, possibility. So, you know, that's obviously um, uh, going uh, uh, far into the future, uh, and it's just a uh, well, it's a, <laughs> I mean, it's a bleak prospect. So, uh, we will be watching those uh, those court cases as well, and we're running out of time. We'll have to wrap it up here. Irina, thanks very much for joining me. Oh, thank you for inviting, Steve. Okay, great to talk to you. Um, I'll be back next Monday, and please keep an eye out on Friday for my Week in Russia newsletter. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.